Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and salam. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you, each and every one of you, tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, and I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. It is my pride and privilege to be doing so. So let us get right into the meat of the matter, the heart of the, a beating heart of the subject of matter that we're going to be talking about. Uh, of course, our introductions are legendarily long, rambling and everything, but we try to control it for this breaking news when it comes to ufology and the UFO world. You're hearing it here first, folks, literally the day it happens. This is breaking news in the UFO world. Argentina, that's right, Argentina, or Argentina, has been attacked by UFOs as of September 10th, 2023. We will play the audio a little bit later. But right now, let me read you the breaking news as it happens. Alien attack in Argentina. Are we at war? Breaking. A video is circulating from Argentina that claims it's the sounds of a UFO attack on a military base in Bahia Blanca. That's Bahia Blanca. Argentine Navy denies these rumors, attributing the shooting to a scheduled exercise without the use of live ammunition at first, until they released, and by they, the Argentine Navy released a report from September 10th, 2023. Uh, Update. Alien attack in the military base of Bahia Blanca, Argentina. The number of shots and explosions that neighbors heard last Tuesday at the Comandante Espora base, which for the moment was denied by military authorities, could have a beginning of explanation or hypothesis that seems incredible. The Commission for Studies of the UFO Phenomenon in Argentina claims to have received information that night four unidentified flying objects, UFOs otherwise known as OVNIs, flew over the base and that they were seen by military personnel who responded and engaged in gunfire with the ships. The Commission is already investigating the case and requests access to radar so that it is known what flew over the skies of Bahia Blanca. We received information from soldiers that four UFOs four UFOs reached Espora from the sea. Confirmed Andrea Perez Semendina, head of the agency. They also told us that the objects were black triangular in shape and that one fired with a type of laser that injured two or three soldiers, he added. This is the audio of the video. Unfortunately, the video itself is just of the night sky and of the gunfire from the base as well as the reactions which I hope you can hear the authenticity. No, me estás jodiendo. Mira, mira cómo huele eso. No. Eso no puede llegar a sacar nada, ¿no? 
¿Eh? No, tiran la base. ¿Pero por qué están tirando tiran la base? No, hay algo que agarró fuego. There you have it. As well as let me read the article as it came out in the Spanish newspaper La Nueve. La cantidad de diásporas y explosiones que los vecinos escucharon el martes pasada en la besa comandante espora que por el momento fue negada por autoridades militares podría tener un principio de explosión o hipótesis que parece increíble. La Comisión de Estudios del Fenómeno OVNI, OVNI en la Argentina asegura haber recibido información de que esa noche cuatro objetos voladores, voladores no identificados de OVNIs sobrevolaron la vez y que los mismos fueron vistos por personal militar que respondió y se enfrentó en los tiros con los neves. La Comisión investiga el caso y pide acceso a redores para que se sepa que sobrevoló el cielo de Bahía. Nos llegó información de que los cuatro ovnis llegaron hasta espero desde el mar. Confirmo, Andrea Pérez Semendina, tetelo del organismo. También nos contaron que los objetos eran negros de forma triangular y que uno disparó con una especie de laser que hirió a dos o tres soldados a griego. Once again, I am going to apologize for my pronunciation. I am learning to speak Spanish and it's all an uphill battle. I understand that. But what we're breaking now is why I'm trying to learn that is because there is so much breaking developmental news when it comes to the world of ufology, specifically involving uh, Latin America and uh, South America, as well as historically the UFO cases of Mexico and traditionally Spanish-speaking areas of the world being a wealth of information about the current state of our reality. Now, we're going to be following that. I'll be giving updates, maybe dedicating an entire episode to that, as well as the Peruvian attack and the Brazilian incidences, as well as maybe a pan-South American and discuss every single uh, country it, in like, a summary. But for right now, we'll go back to our third volume of reading Mexico's greatest UFOs cases, the best Mexican UFO cases in history. We're getting right into that. As well as keeping our eye and making a promise to do so, to keep our eyes open for all the developments in that story as they follow. Bahia de Blanca, naval base attacked by four black triangle UFOs returning fire upon them and having several soldiers injured by return fire of lasers. Very intense and interesting case that just broke. To begin our Mexican UFO cases throughout history, our Mexican ufology research, 
The Puebla UFO Crash of 1977. The Puebla UFO Crash of 1977. July 29, 1977 was an ordinary morning for Miguel Cruz, who owned a small plot of land outside the village of Japala in the northern part of the Mexican state of Puebla. He got up, had a small breakfast, and left his house to start his daily activities. Suddenly he began hearing loud, thundering sounds overhead, even though it wasn't supposed to rain that day. Cruz told an investigator that then I looked up and saw those burning pieces falling from the sky. They looked very hot. One piece very, fell very close, and I even thought it was going to hit my head. When I determined that the piece cooled off, I picked it up. That fragment of red-hot metal had even damaged a concrete floor when it fell from the sky. When the piece was cold enough, Cruz wrapped it in some sacks and took it to the church of Japala to give it to the priest. The priest did not want to keep it and handed it over for the municipal president, Don Antonio Hernandez Garcia, who kept it until they could figure out what to do with it. Other people from Japala and the nearby towns began finding other fragments of metal related to the same event. Was this somewhat remote part of Puebla part of some debris field of the breakup of some extraterrestrial craft? The northern part of the Mexican state of Puebla contains some of the most inaccessible and little visited country in all of Mexico. Parts of the state are so remote that only began to be received, uh, to receive European explorers for the first time in the mid-1800s. This heavily forested and mountainous area is very reminiscent of the Pacific Northwest of the United States. As a curious aside, this region of Mexico is home to a legendary creature that is very similar to the North American Bigfoot called Quetlacus. For more information about the Quetlacus, please see Mexican Unexplored or Mexico Unexplained, episode number 105. In this far off part of Pueblo, in the July day in 1977, something did fall out of the sky. The humble Miguel Cruz was the only witness to the aerial lights, and he was the only person to find records of what appears to have been a UFO. According to Mexican publications at the time, an Apple seller from San Francisco, Ixtecamextitlan, who went into the towns and villages to sell his produce, spread the word that he had seen an actual flying saucer crash. This generated interest from locals who wanted to see if they could find scraps of metal from the wreckage to sell as salvage. Many people from the towns of Bienvenido and Joplin, or Japala, did find strange pieces of metal in the forest. Besides the many eyewitness accounts, on the morning of July 29, 1977, a radar station in the Pacific coastal town of Zahalan Zahatiniho tracked an unknown object headed to the northeast. Later, the Benito Juarez International Airport at Mexico City picked up the same blip on their radar. In the air that morning, the crew of Aerialianos Argentinas Flight 371 flying their Boeing 707 over the countryside of Oaxaca called in the object. The airport control tower confirmed their sighting. Strangely enough, the object was also caught on film. Someone had told Mexican film director Abel Salazar that there was an unusual object in the sky. Salazar was on location filming the movie Picardio Mexicana and instructed his cameramen to point their cameras upward. On film, the UFO appears to be a large sparkler crossing the sky. Many of the movie crew just assumed where they were filming was a comet. By the time the strange aircraft reached Prebla, some witnesses had reported three objects overhead, not just the one. Either by explosion or simple breakup, the object or objects eventually crashed in the remote Sierra Norte of the state. As the film footage and eyewitness accounts quickly made it to the press, the events immediately drew interest from local and international UFO researchers. The first formal investigation was made by reporters Fernando J. Tellez, Fausto Rosales, and Pablo Latipi Ortega. Author Alfonso Salazar Mendoza accompanied the three reporters and eventually wrote a book about the incident entitled The OVNI Estrellado in Puebla, or in English, The UFO Qu Crash in Pueblo. Over the course of a few months, the investigators made 13 expeditions to different points in what they called Zone A, Zone B. Zone A included sites originally visited by the curious reporters and UFO seekers such as Tatino, Libres, Zaragoza, and four other towns. Only two places made up Zone B, the town of Falamino Mata and the state of Veracruz and Japala, Puebla. 
the site where the first physical evidence of the UFO was found by Miguel Cruz. Alternate areas included the sites of the Ahuatlan, Kamatepec, Zacatlan, and Chignahapan Mountains, as well as various places in the state of Laxcala, including the Matayakoya Mountains and several intermediate points. Over the course of the investigation, the team found several scraps of metal allegedly to have been from the crashed object and they gathered up the many stories from the locals. The stories ranged from the highly descriptive to the absurdly fanciful. A team of reporters took one of the debris samples to a lab and did not inform the lab of the sample's origins. The metallurgist who tested the metal piece came up with some interesting findings. It was an extremely durable steel silicone chromium alloy that was very close to an alloy of Spanish origin used to the manufacture high-resistance industrial springs. The metallurgist said it was the first time they had seen something like that in the form of a sheet. They called it a rare piece for a rare use. In late 1977, one keen researcher noted that on July 17, 1977, the Soviet Union launched the Cosmos 929 satellite from the Bokonor Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan. The third stage of the rocket that carried the satellite re-entered the Earth's atmosphere on July 29, 1977. The very day of the crash, the alleged Pueblo UFO, when asked by Mexican reporters, the Soviet embassy in Mexico City offered no comment about the incident, nor did they offer any specifics about their space program. The Mexican government did not formally investigate this case, at least publicly. The unsanctioned official story of what happened in the skies over Puebla on that July day was clean and simple. The fragments that fell to Earth were merely pieces of Soviet space hardware. It was all just space junk. Case closed. What of the stories from the locals? The reporters previously mentioned who conducted an extensive boots-on-the-ground investigation did their best to talk to all the eyewitnesses. Many of the people of the remote Sierra Norte of Puebla are native speakers of Totanic, who so the investigators faced a bit of a language barrier, with younger family members often called in to help with translations into Spanish. One eyewitness said he saw an actual flying saucer on the ground crashed in the forest. Three small beings, approximately approximating the physical description of the greys, exited the wreckage, staggering and appearing disoriented before falling to the ground. An often repeated story to the mountains was that of a female American graduate student who was in the area doing field research when the UFO crashed near. When the woman went to the craft, a group of small beings emerged, immobilized her, and took her aboard. In every version of the story, the woman's boyfriend was a U.S. Marine, but he was not with her at the time. The investigators tried to track down this mysterious American grad student, but had no luck. A story in a French UFO magazine which covered the events of Puebla claimed the Mexican military, with the help of the Americans, created a restricted zone at the site of the debris field to gather up all the wreckage and to spirit away the bodies or survivors they had discovered in the forest. The investigators could not confirm this with the locals or with the Mexican government. If there were bodies of aliens and crashed saucers or wreckage, what happened to them? Where were they taken? In one story told by the locals, the bodies were taken away by townsfolk and burned. In another story, a woman in a village claimed she used the bright red blood of the dead extraterrestrials in the paints she used to decorate her pottery that later season. And the most bizarre story of all, the aliens from the ship who looked very human survived the crash. Not only were they uninjured, the spacemen joined a football match in one of the local towns and used their mastery of anti-gravity techniques to do unimaginable things as they entertained the locals who cared for them. It's unknown whether the people who were telling these stories were just repeating what they had heard or were they actually saying what they had seen? Because many of it was lost in translation due to the language barrier between native speakers and Spanish language interpreters. The alleged flying saucer crash at Puebla may be connected to a paranormal hotspot located about 50 miles south of the debris fields. Laguna Alchica. Al Alchichica 
situated on the border of the states of Puebla and Veracruz, is a small salty lake inside a collapsed volcanic cone. For years, people have seen UFOs enter and leave the lake, which is rumored to be either a bottomless or to have large sub subterranean tunnels that connects to the Gulf of Mexico. Also, people have reported strange creatures in and around the lake, including the Telanchana, a mermaid-like serpent woman, a legend that dates to before the arrival of the Spanish. In 2003, radio interview UFO experiencer Miguel Angel Mingualimon described his extraterrestrial encounter at Alchichica Lake. He stated that three beings, two male and one female, approached him while he was on the shores of the lake. They were somewhat luminescent and somewhat transparent. They belonged to the race of Nordics in the UFO lore. The tall and blonde aliens who were friendlier than the more nefarious greys. The three beings then boarded a disc-shaped craft which, like them, was also vaguely luminescent and transparent. The disc disappeared into the lake. Manguaya asked people around Alchichica if they had seen similar things and everyone who spoke with the stories about metallic craft plunging into the lake or emerging from it. Many locals believe that Lake Alchichica is home to very active extraterrestrials and an underwater base located somewhere in its depths. The 1977 crash somehow connected to the UFO hotspot of Alchichica Lake. On July 29, 1977, something fell from the skies over Puebla, causing much excitement and speculation amongst the hundreds of locals. To this day, this alleged saucer crash remains a mystery and one of the most bizarre unsolved UFO case mysteries of all of Mexico. End of article. Alien Encounter at Moaki. Located 45 miles southeast of the city of Chihuahua, in the state of the same name, Suedad Maqui is your typical Mexican town. It has a population of little over 20,000 and was named after a Mexican general, Pedro Maqui Manan, who died fighting the French in the Battle of Paral in August of 1865. Before the name change of 1866, the town was known as San Pedro. It was the site of a former Spanish prosadirio, or military fort, established in the 1770s. Before the Spanish colonial government established a permanent military presence in the area, the Franciscans built a mission in the modern-day town site on the San Pedro River sometime in the mid-1600s. They ministered to the Conchos, the Julemis, the Navachamas, and the Mesquitos people. Nothing out of the ordinary happened in this largely agricultural, uh, agricultural town for centuries until October of 1987. It was in this month and year that Miyoki received international attention. On October 27, 1987, four children were playing in a courtyard of a house located on Francisco El Madero Street in the neighborhood of Miyoki called Nuevo. The children were Sergio Alonso Lira Robeles, age 12, Javier Valenzuela, age 11, and two neighbor boys, Mario Cosme Alvidres Payon and his brother William Cosme Alvidres Payon, better known as Willie. Mario, Mario and Willie were twins and both seven years old. According to the testimony, suddenly that day, a reddish-blue light descended and five small beings appeared. The light induced a state of numbness in the boys. In one account of the incident, the boys tried to run and one of them fainted. The beings told them not to be afraid and the boys stopped running. This was the first encounter that children of this town would have with what they thought were monkeys. Hence the name of these creatures in the Spanish language UFO literature, the Monitos de Mioqui, or in English, the Little Monkeys of the Mioqui.
Mario and Willie told their parents that they happened in the house about the strange encounter and the parents didn't believe them, dismissing the story as children having imaginary friends or something else like a game. It was not until other interactions with these beings over the course of a following week involving other children that the town started to think about this whole thing seriously. Although the beings were initially called monitos, or little monkeys, they were not described by the children as being covered in fur, but with long arms and an ambling gait. They were more closely fitted to the description of the classic greys of UFO literature in their drawings. They were the same height of the children, but with spindly long arms and legs and skinny bodies. Their heads were large, with large reddish eyes, small noses, and slits for mouths. They lacked ears, and the boys wondered how they could hear because they obviously understood them when they talked. Some of these small humanoids had patches of closely cropped blonde hair on their heads, but they were otherwise hairless and smooth and pale in color. In the ensuing weeks, the boys would draw pictures of these little visitors. Looking at any given drawing, a bonito did fit the profile of the classic gray, but with small variations. The creatures spoke Spanish. And according to the children, their slit mouths barely moved. Perhaps a way to try to get closer to the boys and gain their trust, the five beings had given them names, all in Spanish. There was Hugo, Poncho, Gaspar, Edgar, and Crispin. The boys also noted that the creatures had a hard time moving and walking as if their legs were stiff. The beings also had three fingers and three toes, and circular marks on their chests. The drawings of the creatures that the children made eventually hit the local, national, and international press. What were the intentions of these beings, ufologists and locals wondered. According to the story, they wanted to come to our world to study it. In one interview, one of the boys also said that one of the creatures had told him, We like the weather here. In subsequent encounters, the beings seemed to come out of small, shallow holes in the earth leading the children to believe the creatures came from the underground instead from the stars. When the holes opened up, the boys heard murmuring sounds of other beings as if the new alien friends, Hugo, Poncho, Gaspar, Edgar, and Crispin, were exiting a crowded room or a party and coming into our world. During their almost daily encounters with these seemingly otherworldly little humanoids, the children never experienced the typical missing time associated with alien abduction phenomenons. So researchers generally believe that the boys were not abducted or taken aboard any craft. The large orb of light which heralded the first visit of these creatures seemed to appear off and on over the few weeks being seen by others. Other people in the town of Miyoki seeing these lights and claimed they hovered over the ground and then zoomed ahead and out of sight. The sightings of the beings, however, were restricted to children and limited only to a handful of encounters over the course of a few weeks. By the end of November 1987, the Monitos apparently had left for good, but according to the boys, they did promise to return one day to continue their research and earthly observations. During the time of these sightings and immediately after, the sleepy town of Miyoki received a lot of attention. Townspeople themselves seemed divided about what to think that supposedly happened in the Nuevo neighborhood. Some wanted to believe, especially those who were connected in one way or another to the children. Others were convinced that this supposed series of alien visitations was a hoax or some sort of mass hallucination. Curious gawkers, some investigators and everyone in between came to the house of the first sighting hoping either to see a creature or to talk to a witness. In true Mexican fashion, a carnival atmosphere developed outside the Alvarez home, complete with people selling balloons, gorditas, and choros. The memorabilia related to UFOs and the alien abduction phenomenon. Rel relatives of the children, neighbors, and other citizens of the town gave testimonies to the press during this time. Some of the stories were somewhat fanciful and told of a friend-of-a-friend kind of a way. While some neighbors participated in the commerce tied to the series of events, most people were glad that the crowds left and things went back to normal. The story did not end by the end of the last alleged visit from these strange beings at the end of November 1987. Rumors persisted that NASA had been interested in these encounters and sent people to Miyoki in secret to investigate the situation for months, living in the city after the sightings had ended. 
Stories of strange white vans and sightings of suspicious-looking gringos spread throughout the town. Later, researchers who reached out to NASA for information about what happened in Miyoki are possibly uh, possibly doing research. There may never be able to uncover anything, or have never been able to uncover anything. The children who experienced Monitos de Miyoki are now all adults, except for one. On April 6, 2007, Javier Vela. Suela, aged 30, was found dead in his home in the neighboring city of Delicias. His body was covered in what appeared to be surgical cuts, but none of his organs were removed. An autopsy of Javier Valenzuela could not determine the cause of death, although a strange, unidentifiable substance was discovered in his blood. Some wondered if the little beings kept their promise and did return a few decades later. The death of their childhood friend caused all the other boys involved in the sightings to go silent and cease reporting. On the 30th anniversary of the events in 1987, a Mexican paranormal investigator, Francisco Tote, visited Moaquí to make a small documentary about what happened. He tried to get the experiencers to talk, but all refused. Instead, he interviewed a retired schoolteacher who taught the children at the time who identified herself on camera as Maria del Carmen. Once again, testimony of what she had heard others say mostly focused on the stories that she had heard about the town, which had already been entered into the general public record. Tote also interviewed a man named Aaron Robles and another named Paco Valenzuela, who both lived in the Nuevo neighborhood in late 1987 and had heard all the stories connected to the alleged alien visitors and knew the children from childhood. Robles claimed that the appearance of the little humanoids was nothing new in the area and that someone he knew had said he saw the same creatures the boys had described in the caves and hills outside of town. Robles also described a strange light seen in the skies in October and November of 1987. Paco Valenzuela, who was a distant relation to the young man who died and the mysterious cuts in 2007, described the general psychological state of the town during the 15 to 20 days of the strange events. He also assisted the authorities in getting drawings from the younger experiencers. The boys were separated and mildly interrogated while they made their drawings. When authorities compared the boys' drawings, they were nearly identical. Francisco Tote wrapped up his little documentary with an interesting way. He played a song and the Notino music style of Chihuahua titled Los Minitos de Moiqui to set the images related to the events of the 1987 sighting. And that's how the article ends. End of article. But it does give an image of the actual beings themselves. And they look like, in my opinion, not gray aliens, but sea monkeys. I know that sounds weird, but just looking at the picture right now, um, they look like sea monkeys. They have uh, balls on the ends of three fingers each with three toes with balls at the end. And they have hair. And the big eyes, like, they look like aquatic beings. They look like uh, mermen with legs. Not so much the typical great alien. It's very unique, very interesting. UFOs over Tijuana. The date was Sunday, January 27, 2019. A gray cylindrical object appeared over the Colonia de Libertad neighborhood of Tijuana, the largest city in the Mexican state of Baja, California, which straddles the U.S. border across the line from San Diego, California. The craft hovered motionless and long enough for curious residents to capture it on their camera phones and post footage on the internet. 
Some witnesses claim the large object flew north and then out to sea. Others claim the object blinked out of existence. Many videos showed this blimp-like UFO flashing intermittent lights even though it appeared in the light of midday. Some observers claimed the massive object made no sound. Others said it was accompanied by a strange lack of all sound. Still other onlookers claimed to hear a low buzz or hum coming from the craft. Immediately, researchers and the curious came forward with the theories about this long, metallic-looking object hovering over Tijuana skies. A local news station claimed it was a promotional airship either for a vodka company or for Sir Richard Branson's Virgin brand. Others speculated it was an experimental aircraft let loose by the U.S. military from one of its many bases across the border in California. Could it have been a drone or a prank? A French theory even claimed what appeared over Tijuana on that date in late January 2019 was actually a Zeppelin from the early 1900s that had gone through a time slip or vortex, taking it from Kaiser Wilhelm's Imperial Army at the time of World War I to a modern-day Mexico. Indeed, what appeared on film did look like one of the massive, rigid, silver-colored airships that brought fear and terror to the skies of Britain during the war to end all wars. Whatever this blimp-like craft was, it wasn't the first or last UFO recorded or described over the skies of the massive Mexican border town. Tijuana has had a long history of UFO activity with scant sightings from the 70s through the tall, uh, tail end of the, 2000, or the 20th century. One recently, however, Tijuana surrounded area have become somewhat of a UFO hotspot with an exponentially increased in sightings in the last decade. The wide adoption of cell phone cameras is one of the explanations given for the increased awareness of strange objects in the sky. Some researchers and witnesses contend that the skies over Tijuana have always harbored strange craft of various shapes and sizes, but only now phenomena are getting more affiliation or sorry, more attention because of the widespread distribution of technology and the ease of uploading images and videos to the internet. An area known as the mini hotspot for UFOs and other paranormal activity is along a highway called the Boulevard 2000, which connects Tijuana with Rosarito, a beach town to the city's southwest. The area is a focus of intense development and industrial activity as the city of Tijuana increases in population. An event that made national news happened on the night of Sunday, December 9, 2018, when Christian Jeremelo was crossing Boulevard 2000 and came face-to-face with three very bright flying objects of a considerable size that were at a low altitude. He stated he did not hear any sounds coming from them. According to a Mexican UFO researcher, Dino De Labra, who shared Jeremelo's photos and testimony with the Tijuana newspaper Frontera, the witness on this road put on the hazard lights, got out of his vehicle, and began to take pictures of these mysterious flying objects. In total, there are two videos and three photographs. The objects hovered over the street lamps for about 15 minutes before disappearing. Delabra also told the newspapers that Boulevard 2000 and the surrounding area have only had witnesses claiming to have seen various objects in the sky. It is also known as an area where a considerable number of people claim to have been kidnapped by extraterrestrials who have told them about the great planetary changes that are coming from our world and have provided a series of symbols that at the moment have no real explanation. It's also an area where eyewitnesses have seen strange lights go down and hover just a few feet over the land and cars as if they were exploring or mapping out the terrain. On April 18, 2016, Tijuana was the site of one of the most famous alleged UFO fleet sightings of Mexico, nicknamed the Carrita Feliz, or Smiley Face Fleet. This group is about a dozen lights grouped itself into a formation of a smile over the nighttime city skies. The chief eyewitness to this supposed fleet was Ivan Mercado Martinez, a professional television cameraman for a local news station. He was atop the Sierra... Colorado at the time the lights appeared over the sky one by one and each light joining the others in formation was filmed. Sierra Colorado is one of the highest points in Tijuana of about 540 meters above sea level and crowned with television communication towers. Ricardo used his crude cell phone camera to film the initial formation but because the event lasted a little over 10 minutes he was able to switch to a professional camera and filmed clearer images. 
After about five minutes, the fleet broke into a formation that looked much like two eyes, a nose, and a crescent of about eight lights in the shape of a smile. Ten miles away to the rest, on the Pacific coast of the Playas de Tijuana Pier, Corridor musician Carlos Guerrera looked up in the sky after finishing up his last set. He and his band members saw the same smiley face formation and lights over the ocean, and he recorded the event with his cell phone camera as well. He posted the video to the band's YouTube channel, and within an hour, thousands of fans and others across the internet watched the musician's video. According to eyewitnesses at the shore, the lights just faded away soon after making the smiley in the sky. Local news outlets claim that the people who saw were just hot air balloons or possibly American military planes performing exercises over the Pacific Ocean. Too many on that April night, there was more than a bit dismissive, if not outright a cover-up. The lights did not appear to be balloons or military aircraft from San Diego, and they were no aircraft that they had seen flying before. There was no explanation for the fact that the lights just faded away or appeared even in the first place. A report of what seems to have been a mothership or smaller unidentified flying object made it into the database as well of the National UFO Reporting Center created by Peter Davenport, otherwise known as NUFARC. A regular contributor to the show once hosted by legendary radio host Art Bell, Coast to Coast AM. The witness described an event in the western suburbs of Tijuana in the early morning hours of September 22, 2017, where a bright light appeared in the sky and blinked twice. It changed from green to red between blinks. When the light appeared, several smaller lights swarmed around the larger light, giving the indication that they were either smaller ships or drones returning to a larger craft. The larger light hovered for about 20 minutes, and then according to the witness reported, it moved at an unbelievable speed. It seemed to me that it came in my direction and a blinking of an eye, and then went back to the same spot. No video footage exists of this event, and no other witnesses have come forward with additional details. Tijuana UFO events often also have witnesses and possible explanations coming from the American side of the border. Many Tijuana residents saw what the media called the San Diego Mystery Lights in the evening of August 29, 2018. A bright row of yellow-orange lights appeared in the skies over the borderlands, seemed to hover in place for about 10 minutes. They were joined by a smaller row of lights before they both just went out. Possibly over 100,000 people witnessed these mysterious rows of lights in the night sky. Thousands of people took to the social media speculating about the origins and meanings of what they were seeing. Local media outlets on both sides of the border covered the event into the late evening news, and a San Diego television station announced it had definitive explanation after it contacted local military authorities, providing a Navy spokesperson saying these lights in the sky were flares. An aircraft squadron is performing flare training off of San Diego and Tijuana. Although this is not a count for the actual eyewitness statements of the performance or appearance of the lights. They did provide an amateur video footage, although these diff- or these images differed from the footage taken by thousands of people and posted to social media that night. For instance, the military's photos showed lights with streaks behind them appearing like shooting stars as they fell to earth on parachutes. Although social media, the lights were in the shape of discs and are hovering without producing smoke or losing altitude. The case remains a mystery. Although official explanations are of naval flares and military exercises, the prolonged sightings and recurring cases across the years are one of the largest cities in Mexico, the border city of Tijuana, is known for many things. Gathering attention of serious UFO investigators and the curious around the world for its numerous celestial events that defy easy explanation, a combination of theories is always offered after every mass sighting 
from hoaxes to pranks to experimental military craft to extraterrestrial visitation, old Earth airships caught in time vortexes are even the mystical and spiritual. The increase in the availability of cell phone cameras and the growing population of the U.S.-Mexican border will no doubt provide interesting and mysterious objects in the future above and appearing in the skies of Tijuana. End of article. Vortexes and spirals over the skies of Mexico. Vortexes and spirals over the skies of Mexico. The date was April 9th, 2014. On the television show simply called X, broadcast over the Russian television network TV3, the host of the show calmly presented a video of an unusual phenomenon that occurred over the skies of the coast of Oaxaca, Mexico. Millions of viewers across the Russian Federation were glued to their television sets as a white spiral spun and grew out of a small illuminated cloud that hung over the ridge of dark mountains. Through a translator, the Russian presenter interviewed Mexican climatologist Ingrid Suarez Philip about his strange occurrence. Not well known in Mexico when it happened, the bizarre atmospheric vortex was one of many that appeared all over the world in the 2010s. Starting with the famous Norway spiral of December 9, 2009, the video from Mexico presented on Russian television looked very similar to the mysterious vortex in Norway. At the time when it happened, the official explanation of the Norway spiral was that it was the result of the Russian Defense Ministry conducting tests of their new Boluva ballistic missile. No Russian missile tests were conducted off the Pacific coast of Mexico in 2014, though. So the explanation of the Norway spiral did not fit for what happened that night in Oaxaca, Mexico. In between the Norway spiral of December 2009 and the Oaxaca spiral of March 2014, there were five other such atmospheric phenomena in various parts of the world. Australia, June 5, 2010. New Zealand, March 29, 2011. And Mongolia, June 29, 2011. Ukraine, November 18, 2011. And Israel, June 17, 2013. Paranormal researchers are quick to note that the Russian missile explanation cannot be used to explicate similar events occurring throughout the world. Many theorize that the whole spiral phenomenon can be traced to high-energy experiments conducted at the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland. Others believe that these are wormholes to other dimensions, opened either naturally or by same, some alien presences. Some further speculate that these brief spiral formations are some sort of communication from an otherworldly intelligence. What happens and happens... Over, uh, all over the world and what happened over Waka in March of 2014 is not well known in Mexico until Mexican paranormal researcher Jaime Massan of Tercer Millenio fame heard about the Russian television program and decided to investigate. Very little information exists about this Mexican spiral vortex which leads many to two conclusions. After the story was a fabrication or the Mexican government and our military authorities are trying to keep a tight lid on what happened in their airspace. The Mexican climatologist Ingrid Suarez, who spoke publicly on this on the Russian TV station, has not been interviewed since her appearance on that show. Is she under some sort of official gag order? Many debunkers are quick to point out that the overtop exaggerations and outright fabrications made at Russia's th TV3, a station that has been criticized in Russia itself for promoting pseudoscience and fake esotericism as fact if those debunkers would criticize this Russian TV show for its presentation of this Oakan vortex, there is little to explain this phenomenon observed in other parts of the world either. Investigators of the paranormal in Mexico are inclined to believe that the video shown on Russian TV was of the real event that happened in Oaxaca's skies. Those, then, who believe it's real can only guess its meaning or who or what is behind creating it and what reasons. For its creation. The illuminated cloud spiral over Waka may be unique in Mexico's history, but the idea of vortexes in Mexican skies is not new and may date back thousands of years. Researchers point to concentric circular patterns and spiral designs in ancient rock and claim that prehistoric artists captured what they saw in the skies above them. At least from the 1930s, vortexes in the sky have been suspected as being the causes for many strange things happening in the area. Of the Mapini, Biosphere Reserve 
and the remote deserts of the Mexican state of Chihuahua. Nicknamed the Zone of Silence, the first reports of anomalous and bizarre things happening in the area became public with the exploits of the famous Mexican aviation pioneer Francisco Saribia Tinoco. The pilot claimed that when he flew his plane, nicknamed the Conquistador del Cielo, the conqueror of the clouds, above the area of the part of the desert, his radio would not work and his instruments would go crazy. Magnetic anomalies and electronic equipment malfunctions have been reported from Saribia's time to the present day across the zone of silence, or the zona de silencio. Some say that the mysterious properties of the region caused a U.S. missile to crash here in July of 1970. The Athena test missile was fired from a U.S. military base near Green River, Utah, with its ultimate destination being White Sands Missile Range in southern New Mexico. The missile never made it to White Sands, but went hundreds of miles off course and impacted the Earth in the zone of silence a few miles from where the Biosphere Reserve's research station now stands. According to the locals, the strange magnetic anomalies and atmospheric conditions of the zona caused vortexes to be formed that stretch up through the upper atmosphere and out into space, thus drawing in everything from missiles to meteors to extraterrestrial crafts. A year before the American missile mishap that was later known as the Allende meteorite crashed into the area near the zone. For years, locals have claimed that the zone caused pretty much anything to fall from the sky and cite the many examples of meteorites found in the desert flood, uh, floor throughout the region. Starting in the year 2012, strange magnetic vortexes have been detected over Mexico via weather radar. From October 27th to October 29th, 2012, gigantic spiral patterns appeared on radar systems stretching from coast to coast and centering on the New Mexico area. The huge anomaly was in the shape of a perfect circle and moved with precision. It was so large and so unusual that even NOAA weather radar out of the United States picked it up. The spiral pattern was beautiful and contained elements of sacred geometry in it. When these strange radar patterns became public, UFO researchers were quick to point out that just a few days before this massive swirling energy pattern began appearing on the radars, a 1,500-foot-long cylindrical UFO was filmed entering the mouth of an active volcano named Popocatapetl, the looming mountain just outside of Mexico City. The UFO and spiral energy connection happened two other times in the same location. On October 16, 2015, weather radar detected the, detected the same round spinning energy pattern and it picked up three years earlier. A few days before this event, Mexican television network Televisia filmed a small UFO entering the Popocatépetl volcano. A few months after that, Webcam's De Mexico camera captured a 45-second video clip of cylindrical UFOs flying into the volcano in the early hours of Christmas Day. Just as the other two times a few days later on December 28th, the perfectly circular energy vortex appeared on weather radar, radiating outward from Mexico City and stretching from coast to coast. The patterns fluctuated, but it kept to its form a perfect circle for a full two and a half hours. A December 31st, 2015, a beautiful rotating energy circle appeared for its last time for just 31 minutes. Since the last day of 2015, there have been no reported similar radar patterns or any other magnetic or electrical vortexes or spirals connected with the UFO activity over Mexico. Mexican researcher Fernando Correa has spent much time studying the circular magnetic phenomenon as seen on the various radar systems. As these appeared on several different radars at the time, the phenomenon cannot be dismissed as the products of mechanical glitches or mere human misinterpretations. Correa noted that the patterns of these anomalies looked very similar to the Flanagan sensor. Flanagan sensors were created in the 1970s by American New Age inventor and author Patrick Flanagan, the original proponent of pyramid power. The Flanagan sensor is usually worn in a pendant form, and the wearer is supposed to gain balanced energy, increased vitality, and an overall sense of well-being. The original Flanagan sensor pendants use a 2D toroidal pattern, which supposedly creates a positive vertex energy. They were also designed around golden ratios, or pi, or pi proportions, and these pendants allegedly create the same energy as a 2-meter-tall pyramid shape. Mexican paranormal researcher Fernando Correa theorizes that perhaps these energy vortexes picked up 
on the radar equipment spanning Mexico from coast to coast and were acting like Flanagan sensors. They were created to cleanse Mexico. Perhaps they are somehow helping human minds throughout the country to achieve a higher level of consciousness. Others believe that the UFO spotted at Popocatépetl a day or two above before the magnetic anomalies appeared were using the immense energy of the volcano in some way. The byproducts were the magnetic patterns seen on radar. Mysterious spirals and vortexes have long been seen in the skies of Mexico, but have only come to the attention of the general public in the past few decades. As of this recording, what they mean and who or what is making them is anyone's guess. For now, the phenomenon is a complete and utter mystery. End of article. Mexican Volcanoes, UFOs, and Strange Humanoids The date was Monday, June 6, 2014, and the time was 8.19 a.m. Mexico was waking up, and thousands of Mexicans were tuned into the Televisa Network's morning program on Channel 4 called El Mananero. The show was typical of morning shows throughout the world with news and current events mixed with human interest stories to give people a light start to their day. On that Monday, however, the lighthearted morning show would take an interesting and unexpected twist. Glancing up over the breakfast or morning coffee, tens of thousands of viewers would report seeing something curious going on behind the show's announcer. As a background, El Mananero had live footage of Popocatépetl, Mexico's most active volcano, which had been spewing ash and smoke into the air intermittently since early 2012. From out of the plumes of smoke, as viewers would call in to report, a black object emerged. It hovered for a while and then moved off the screen to the right. The handsome young announcer did not even know what was going on in the screen behind him and continued reporting the news. When the call started to come in and about this black UFO emerging from the volcano, researchers were quick to try and verify the sighting by other means. A popular website called Webcams de Mexico had a 24-hour camera fixed on Popocatépetl from the town of Santiago Zelazetla and the Mexican state of Pueblo. From a different angle, the camera caught the same black object emerging from the volcano at the same exact time as the viewer saw at the El Mananero show. This was not the first or the last time that strange objects have been seen either coming out of or hovering around Mexico's iconic volcanoes. In addition to many UFOs reported in and around the volcanic activities, witnesses have also reported the appearance of strange humanoids which may or may not be related to what people are seeing in the skies. Unknown to many non-Mexicans, Mexico is home to five active volcanoes that stand over 15,000 feet tall each. The tallest amongst them is 18,491 feet, as Pico de Orizaba, also known as the indigenous name Sitlapetl, and it's the second highest volcano in the world after Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. The next in order of height at 17,802 feet is Popocatépetl, the most famous Mexican mount, uh, mountain which looms in the distance and is quite visible from Mexican City. In modern times, this peak has been in various states of eruption, mostly an annoyance and mild curiosity to the tens of millions of people who live in sight of it. All the 15,000-plus tall volcanoes in Mexico, Popocatépetl is the only one classified as active. The next highest mountain in Mexico, also a volcano, is Ixtelechihuatle, which is the indigenous language means the white woman. Early Spanish-speaking inhabitants of the area nicknamed the volcano La Mujer Domadida, or the Sleeping Woman, because its resemblance to a reclining female in silhouette. According to Aztec legend, Estacahuatle was once a princess who fell in love with one of her father's warriors named Popocatépetl. In a sort of Romeo and Juliet fashion with a distinctive Mesoamerican twist, when the princess heard the false news that the warrior had been killed in a battle in Oaxaca, she died of heartbreak. When Popocatépetl returned home to find that his love had died, the gods covered them both with snow and turned them into mountains. As the volcano Iscalahuatle is 17,160 feet tall, it is perpetually snow-capped. In fact, the other two taller volcanoes previously mentioned also have glaciers on them which is a surprising piece of trivia for foreigners who tend to think of Mexico in terms of beach resorts or harsh deserts, with steamy jungles full of undiscovered ruins to the south. 
The highest peak in Mexico all have alpine rescue teams attached to them, much like what they have in places such as Switzerland, which is comprised of highly trained individuals who are skilled in harsh terrain and wet, cold weather rescues. The last two volcanoes in Mexico are above 15,000 feet and are Nevado de Toluca, also called Zinanticatl, which stands at 15,355 feet, and Sierra Negro, which is called Atlisland, which stands at 15,223 feet, and is located right next to the tallest peak, Pico de Arizaba, on the border of the Mexican states of Pueblo and Veracruz. All volcanoes mentioned are located in the central part of the country in what geologists call the Trans-Mexican Volcanic Belt. All volcanoes have strange phenomenon associated with them, including strange lights and objects in the sky and mysterious beings seen by hikers in inaccessible areas. A simple online search of OVNI, which is Spanish for UFO, OVNI, along with the peaks listed here will get a whole host of articles and video clips of unknown flying objects in the areas around the volcanoes. Nearly everyone in Mexico now has a camera attached to their mobile phone. Footage of unexplained objects in the sky are common, being posted online every day. Knowing that the volcanoes are hotspots for UFO activity, some researchers have come up with interesting nighttime footage by using infrared cameras and streaming web services. The most common objects filmed in conjunction with the great volcanoes are orbs, disks, cylindrical objects, and strange phenomenon of what appears to be flying humanoids. We will return to the humanoids later, and we will now focus on the more traditional UFOs. On January 4, 2014, inside the caldera of Nevada de Taluco, a hiker recorded a greenish-yellow orb emerging out of one of the small takes inside the volcano, or small lakes inside the volcano. At first, the hiker thought it was a duck or a goose, but the object assumed a spherical form and seemed to float along the surface of the lake and then among the boulders and rocks of the inside of the volcano. The object never left the caldera and went back into the lake. The lakes inside Nevada de Toluco are said to be home of the Talanchana, a freshwater mermaid-type creature that dates back to the Aztecs. To learn more about the Telanchaga, please click this link. The orbs, either metallic or made of bright glowing light, are the most common UFOs sighted all over the volcanoes in central Mexico. Next on the list are the metallic saucer-like objects. On February 6, 2016, a driver on a main highway passing the Pico de Orozaba took a picture of a disc-shaped object that made national television. When the photo was analyzed, it was judged not to be enhanced or faked in any way and the object appeared to be as large as a commercial airliner. A glowing cylindrical object was filmed on December 2nd, 2012 in the skies above the snowy white Estacoatle, which has also witnessed by hundreds of people on the ground below. The most famous cylindrical UFO was captured by webcams in Mexico over Popocatépetl earlier that year. On October 25th, it was seen disappearing inside the volcano and never coming out. The active volcano, Popocatépetl, deserves special examination, not only because there seems to be more activity around it, but is the only peak on which strange humanoids have been observed both on the ground and flying above it in the air. The paranormal Mexican television show, Terza Millennia, hosted by investigative journalist Jaime Massan, boasts that has been reported on flying humanoids spotted near the slopes of Popocatépetl since 1999. There are many video clips of strange, dark, human-like figures floating around in the air or in seated or standing positions. Some look like they are wearing jetpacks. And Tepotzlan and Mexican state of Morelos, located between the Nevado de Teluco and Popocatépetl volcanoes, Gerardo Valenzuela recorded what looked like a standing man in black hovering over his town. This was July 8, 2000. Five years later, on June 17, 2005, Horatio Roquette filmed a flying humanoid in a seated position over southeastern Mexico City. The most famous flying humanoid footage was taken by amateur skywatcher Salvador Ramirez in the neighborhood called Tablas de Pozo in the town of Ecatepec on December 17, 2014, in the middle of the afternoon. Ramirez stated the object had intelligent movements, and his footage, it is clear that the figure has a pair of dangling legs. The humanoid seen on the ground on the slopes of the volcano Popocatépetl may or may not be related to unidentified objects or human figures in the air, but many researchers believe they are. 
According to Augustin Tagle, the director of the national park that encompasses both Popocatépetl and Iztacahuatl, many hikers have seen human-like creatures on the slopes of the volcanoes for years. The creatures are described as thin and very tall, ranging from 7 to 8 feet in height. They are the color of volcanic soil and move rapidly among the landscape. Some researchers claim that these beings are the same as those reported in Chile on the slopes of volcanoes called Misti, a sort of Bigfoot-like creature covered in hair called El Macon by the locals in Chile. Mexico has its own vision, version of Bigfoot called the Sisamite, which supposedly lives in the jungles in the southern parts of the country and has been described by indigenous people for thousands of years. The tall, hairy beings spotted on the slopes of Popocatépetl are said to be the most recent phenomenon with no mention in indigenous lore and only date back a few decades, which have led to some believe that the creatures are not native to the area or more recent arrivals. Famous Mexican mountaineer Guillermo Vidales described on camera his encounters with the creatures on the icy slopes of the volcano. He said that he was in the Los Gritas area of the mountain on the route to the top of the crater when he saw a t tall, thin, brown, human-looking being scale the side of the volcano at a very rapid pace. The creature did not wear any equipment, which was strange in such extreme weather. The next day, Vidalis and members of his hiking team found tracks in the snow. The footprints were what appeared to be indentations of a claw coming from the back of the leg which probably assisted the being in climbing, much like a hiker's crampon. On September 15, 2014, acclaimed Mexican UFO researcher Ana Luis Cid interviewed a man named Jose Antonio Cisneros about his recent experiences on the slopes of the Pocapetl. Cisneros claimed that there are two types of unknown beings that lived on the volcano, a smaller being that is mostly white with large black eyes which serves as a sort of custodian to the forest, an elemental being, much like the Shanique of Aztec myths and legends. For more information, exactly this link. Cisneros also claimed to have contact with a taller, thin being, reported by many other hikers in the past 20 years. Cisneros told Annalisa Sid that he believed that taller, thin humanoid creatures are part of the UFO phenomenon, and they come directly from extraterrestrial craft. So why such strangeness surrounding the Mexican volcanoes? There seems to be as many theories as there are researchers on the topics discussed. Some believe that the sightings on the webcams and infrared devices are easily explained away as lights from helicopters and other crafts, or even celestial bodies like the moon or Venus. The hardcore skeptics claim that photos or film footage shows UFOs, just elaborate or innocent tricks of light or misperceptions of witnesses. UFO and paranormal researchers who believe the objects and beings associated with them have more extraterrestrial explanations theorize several things with regard to the volcanoes. The volcanoes may serve as portals to secret underground ET bases. The volcanoes may also be a source for raw materials to fuel interstellar spacecraft or to serve other purposes. The humanoids are explained as being scouts or part of earthly reconnaissance missions. Whatever the explanation, the sightings of the strange objects in the sky and strange creatures in the ground in and around the famous Mexican volcano seem to be increasing over time. As with many mysteries, perhaps time will ultimately explain these unexplained mysteries. End of article.